0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to First Peter chapter 3, and I'm not going to read the verses immediately, but go ahead and get there because we'll come to them. But we're going to read verses 19 and 20 and 21. Being in the commercial construction arena, uh, I'm very familiar with blueprints. Blueprints are created by architects who design a building for someone, and so once that building is designed and the owner approves the design, then that, that set of uh, prints is then subjected or submitted to a city, a county, a state, or even a federal entity for approval uh, according to the code statutes of that particular entity. And so once they're approved, there's a, a permit is issued to begin construction per the blueprints. You just don't go out and start construction, first of all, without blueprints, second of all, without the approval. Now, throughout the process of construction, there are inspectors that come from the particular entity that gave you the approval, and they visit the job site uh, uh, when requested to inspect and ensure that the building is being constructed per the approved blueprints. So once the construction is completed, the owner can now occupy the building, with a thing called a permit of occupancy. It's from the entity that released the ability to build the building. That permit of occupancy means that the building was completed per the blueprints. If it wasn't, and if it's not, they will not allow you to occupy that building. It's got to be per the blueprints. And so I want to talk to you today just a little bit about God's blueprints. Several generations pass after Adam breaks his covenant with God. Adam had a covenant with God. Adam had a covenant with God. God supplied all that he had, all that he needed, with the exception of there was one tree that he was not supposed to eat of, and the guarantee or the covenant that Adam made with God on that part of it was that he would not eat of it. There was a covenant. But uh, when you look in Scripture... Adam breaks the covenant. And so there are several generations that pass. I believe it's about 10 generations. And the Bible says that during those generations, men's hearts waxed more evil, more evil, more evil. And so as God looks upon mankind, the Bible says that God repented that he made man. The the word repent means to do a, a, a turnabout, a turnaround, a 180 degree direction, if you please. And so God had created man, so God's doing a 180. He's doing a turnabout. Now he's going to destroy man. That's what it means when it says God repented that he made man. But one man, Noah, found grace in the eyes of God. Now, a lot of people look at that, and you read in the Scripture, the Bible says that Noah was righteous. And a lot of people look at that and say, well, that, you know, that." But understand this. Just like the Bible says that Lot was just, you remember who Lot was. The nephew of Abraham, who was living in the, the Sodom and Gomorrah arena, it had his family there, his wife and his daughters, living in that, but he was just, listen, we're not justified and we're, we're not made righteous on our own. Understand that Noah's righteousness was from God. It wasn't anything Noah was doing, but it was the righteousness of God that caused God to show grace to Noah. And understand in and your life, no matter what you think you're doing to justify your righteousness, the only grace you have from God in righteousness and, and justification you have, it comes from God. It's not what we do. So, what did God do for Noah? God sends a blueprint. And so, God sent this blueprint to build this great ship. The Bible calls it an ark. Uh, he gave Noah the dimensions, He gave Noah the height, the depth, the breadth. Uh, he, he gave him the type of material to use in the blueprint. How to construct the ark. He, he even gave him the description on how to seal it. And, we you know, it's a funny thing. We often call this Noah's ark, don't we? This wasn't Noah's ark. This was God's ark. Noah was following the blueprint of God. This was God's ark, not Noah's ark. And the problem with that is this. There, there's a reason there are so many denominations in Christianity today. It's because people have left the blueprint. And so they create their own ark. They leave the blueprint that God left for us, and they create their own way to escape. The problem with this, if you don't follow the blueprint, just like building a building, and again, I'm in that arena, if you don't build the building according to the blueprint, there's going to be problems with the building. There's going to be problems. This is not going to fit over here because you didn't do this over here per the blueprint. And the biggest problem is the person that has to approve the building for occupancy will not approve it if it's not by the original blueprint. There are many today, listen, I'm not here to downcast anybody. There are many today that are operating on their own blueprint, not God's blueprint. The problem is they're building a building that's not going to make it, not going to last, it's not going to stand. And the one that has to approve it, the one that... Noah didn't design it. Noah didn't design the ark. Noah didn't give it its dimensions, nor the construction material, nor even how to seal it. He followed God's blueprint. So you know, <clears throat> here's the thing about God's blueprint, that you and this is good for your entire life. And the reason that we need to use this book as God's blueprint is because God knew the impending dangers that were coming in a flood that, that the world had never even seen or heard of. God knew what was going to happen. He knew what type of ship, how it needed to be constructed, and how it needed to be sealed to make it through this flood. Any other way would not make it. And so that's the blueprint that he gave. The ark wasn't designed to save Noah. There's another part of Noah's ark story. And and again, when you get outside the blueprint, then you misinterpret the pages of the blueprint. But the ark wasn't designed to save Noah. The ark was designed to keep Noah in fellowship with God. I'm going to show you here in a second. The ark was designed and the blueprint was given to Noah to keep him in fellowship with God. You, you see, for the next 112 years, every day, Noah was going to spend time in God's blueprint. Every day. He was going to take God's blueprint and day after day build that ark. He took his family, his sons, and day after day. So the design of that and the purpose of the ark was to keep him in fellowship 1 Peter 3, let's just begin with verse 20. 1 Peter 3 and 20, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark wasn't preparing. You see, the, what, what was happening when he was building that ark was he was preparing his way. That's what your walk with God is. We're here in a preparation time, preparing our way for eternity. A lot of people see that as works. Well, the just shall live by faith. Faith without works is dead, faith being alone. Understand, we have a purpose and an action in faith. No, what if Noah would have said, God, that's a great set of blueprints. Love them. Get to it, God. I'll be back when you get the thing built. That's not wouldn't have worked. Noah had to do his part. So while the ark was preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. You see, the ark didn't save Noah. What The reason the water saved Noah is this. God saw the wickedness and the evil on the earth, and to save Noah and his family from that wickedness and evil, he had to destroy it. And the way he destroyed it was with water. And so the destructive part, water, took the evil man and the evil nature out of Noah's life. And so what did Noah do? He spent time on the ark, and in the preparation, he made his ark. And in the end, when the flood came, he was still in the presence of God. He rode over the flood in the presence of God. And as the flood came and destroyed the wickedness of man, off this, he, was saved by the, he was saved from the wickedness of man by the water. Verse 21, the like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. You understand, this wasn't a one-time event. There's water all through the Scripture. Now, I'm not here to preach about baptism today, but I want you to understand something. We we look at water in various ways in Scripture, but understand this. Water is meant to be destructive. It is meant to be a grave. We are buried with Him through baptism, in baptism, by baptism, all different Scriptures. Just as Jesus went into the grave to the tomb, and came out, and was alive again, the Bible tells us when we're buried with him in baptism, that's our tomb. We're buried in our tomb, but we're raised to walk in newness of life, just like Jesus did. So understand this about, and again, I don't, I'm not going to get off on that subject. So understand that Noah had this quest, and he took these blueprints, and for 112 years, he spent time with God. What if God gave you a blueprint today, and said, listen, You can spend time with me every day and have fellowship with me every day if you'll just follow these blueprints. Wouldn't you love it? Well, guess what? He did. He gave us a set of blueprints. So the ark kept Noah in God's presence while the flood washed away sinful man. God saved Noah from sin. The ark was not meant to... God saved Noah from sin, not from a flood, the ark wasn't designed to save Noah from a flood. The ark was designed to be God's presence in his life. So we can't rewrite and change blueprints, can we? When an architect sets drawings and blueprints and they're approved by the owner to build the building and they're approved by the entity to build the building, we, there's a thing called a change order. There's a thing called a change order, and it has to be requested. It has to be requested. And the an entity that approves the original drawings can approve a change order. Only the entity that approves. Understand this. Only God can approve change orders in our life. Only God can, uh, oftentimes we get wrapped up into doing our own thing, and we say, God, we know this is your plan, but I've got a change order. This is what I want to do. Understand this. Sometimes that change order, God says, go right ahead. Wonderful. That's great. Enjoy it. But sometimes God says, no, that'll be destructive to you. Let's not do that. The problem with us is that we just get out of the blueprints and we never contact the entity. So. We can't rewrite and change blueprints, and we can't design our own blueprints. If you want to build a medical building, which is what I'm usually involved with, you can't use a house design to build a medical building. It won't work. It won't be approved. It'll never happen. You have to use the correct blueprints given for the proper job, and those blueprints are produced by the architect. God is the architect. The, he's the producer of these blueprints. The problem with Noah's situation was that he had a temporary solution to an eternal problem. The ark was a temporary solution to an eternal problem. Because as you read on, after the flood subsides and the earth comes back alive and Noah and his family get off, it's not very long till you see sin beginning to dominate man once again. Once again, men's hearts become evil and they start turning away from God. And so another group of, another set of generations, some 19 or 20 generations go on. And, and so when we look at the, the, the generations that have passed, once again, we find God saving his people. He delivers them some 20 generations later out of the hands of the Egyptians Once again, God takes them through water. He splits a sea, and he takes them through water. Once again, God makes a new covenant, just as God made a covenant with Noah. If you look look when uh, the flood had subsided, God made a covenant with Noah. I'll never flood the earth again. I'll never do that again. I'll never destroy mankind. I'll put the rainbow, the bow in the skies to to let you know. All of these things. And then Noah had his part to serve God. There was a covenant. But between Noah and Moses, just like Adam breaking his covenant, the people of God broke their covenant with God once again. And so God takes them through the sea. He makes another covenant. And once again, God gives them another blueprint. It was called the law. And so... God designs laws. He designs feasts. He designs the statutes for living for God's people. And once again, God gives them a blueprint for a design. And once again, God gives them another ark called the Ark of the Covenant. It was God's ark for a new covenant. We often look at the Old Testament, Old Covenant, Covenant, New Testament, New Covenant. We understand that there's just a transition from the old law to 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 Jesus Christ. But understand that God was constantly making new covenants with his people. Constantly. The Ark of the Covenant was seated behind the veil in the holiest of holies. The holiest of holies was the dwelling place of God's presence in the tabernacle. It was the place that the high priest only once a year on the Day of Atonement would enter in behind that veil and go to that ark, and there where the mercy seat was, He he would spill the blood, he would sprinkle the blood over the mercy seat, and then God would accept the sacrifice and would push forward the sins of all of God's people. God would accept that sacrifice because it was the part of the blueprint that was the most important to God's people, that their sins would be eliminated. The problem was this ark that God produced, once again, was a temporary solution for an eternal problem. Inside of the ark, there were items of remembrance. If you were to open the ark and look inside of it, it was remembrance for what God had done for his people. Resting inside was a golden pot of manna. It was a remembrance of what God had done as he leads them through and gives them manna. It's a daily refreshing, a daily word, a daily sustenance. You remember, manna, if you tried to stick it in your pocket and hold it for the night, it would turn to worms. It was only meant for the day. Understand this. Jesus Christ in your life is meant for today. He's meant for today. Today. Too often we try to look back and fix yesterday in Jesus Christ. And too often we try to look forward and try to work Jesus Christ. We try to get him to do things on our, our level. But understand this, Jesus said, listen, don't worry about yesterday, it's gone. And he said, tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Concern yourself with today. So that's what that pot of manna was about. It was about God's giving sustenance to his people. Word to his people. Survival to his people on a daily basis. Also was Aaron's rod. Aaron's rod was a dead stick that had budded at one time and come back to life. It was a sign of God that even though yet while you're dead in trespasses and sin, you you shall live. See, these things inside this ark were designed to show us something that was to come. And then there were the tablets of the covenant. God's word that he had given to Moses and God's word that was written on stone. Those tablets were placed inside of that ark as a remembrance of what God had given to his people. So every year, year after year after year, the same scenario repeated itself. Every year, atonement came around. Every year, the high priest went in and sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat that sat atop uh, of the Ark of the Covenant. And every year, God would push forward the sins of his people. But the problem, again, was the Ark of the Covenant was only a temporary solution for an eternal problem. So once again, many generations pass, and sin becomes so rampant again in the lives of God's people. And so what does God do? Some 42 to 43 generations later, God sends yet another blueprint. It's amazing how God tries to get our attention, isn't it? I've noticed something about myself. When God tries to get my attention but I ignore him, he ramps up the knock a little bit. And when God tries to get my attention and I ignore him, he ramps up the knock a little bit. And eventually not get so loud, if I keep ignoring him, that the door falls off the hinges. Because God doesn't give up on his people. God loves you. God loves you. He's never going to give up on you. And understand this. God is always going to send a blueprint. There's always a blueprint in your life. Any situation, any trial, any trouble, any problem, any sin, any issue of money, any issue of home, any issue of job, they're all right here in the blueprint. So many times, and listen, again, I have to say this because some people get offended. It's okay to come and conference with pastor about things in your life. I'm all for that. It's okay to come and counsel me, with me, and talk with me about things in your life. I'm not against that. But understand this. There is a blueprint here that the Scripture says that his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. If you counsel with God first, a lot of times you give pastor a break. God will counsel with you if you'll counsel with him. See, the the problem is we like to go outside the blueprint. Because a lot of times we're not comfortable talking to God about this thing that's in our life. And we might be more comfortable talking about another human because after all, another human has susceptible problems like we do. And so when we come to the... All Creator God, when we come to the God that's holy and righteous and all those things, we might be a little uncomfortable when, in fact, God said in His blueprint, that's exactly what I want you to do. Do you think anything that you would tell God would surprise Him? No, because it's in the blueprint. Do you think any action you would take against God would surprise Him? No, it's in the blueprint. Do you think any problem you would ever have It's in the blueprint. God says, just bring it to me. So God sends another blueprint. Jesus comes on the scene. This blueprint is a little different than the blueprints he had sent in the past, though. You see, Jesus is the blueprint for what God is in man. Jesus is the blueprint or the example of what God wants to do in you and in me. That's who Jesus is. We know He's the Lamb for sinners slain. We know He's the Savior. We know He's the Redeemer. But He's also the blueprint of what God wants to see in each one of us. And so that's why we live after the life of Jesus Christ. He's the blueprint. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus is the Word. So everything that's in this blueprint was in Jesus Christ and is in Jesus Christ. And so... God sends a new, he he designs this Savior, the master design of God, so we can see what God wants us to be. You know what? We struggle with living for God sometimes, don't we? It's because we get off the blueprint or we design ourselves. I have my set of blueprints, Bible, that I come to on Sunday, and everybody sees that I'm following the blueprints. But during the week, I've got my own set of blueprints that are at my house and at my job. And at my school. and at This set of blueprints is for every part of your life. And the design of it is to show you what God wants you to be. You know, some of you have done very well at what you are. Very well. It's what God wants you to be. That's why you're doing very well. That's what God designed you to be. And he wants you to fulfill it to the... You know what? Uh, if you're a doctor, he wants you to be the best one that exists. If you're an attorney, he wants... If you're an attorney, that's a joke. He wants you to be the best one you can possibly be. If you're an engineer, if you're a salesperson, if you're a plumber, if you're a carpenter, if if you're flipping burgers, whatever it is, if that's what he's designed you to be, you want you to be the best. It's in the blueprint. His life is page upon page upon page of mastery. Jesus' life you see, if you look at the end of the book of John, you'll find something very interesting. If all that Jesus did, if the blueprint that God presented to us, if all that was did was recorded, John said, I reckon there wouldn't be enough room in the world to hold all the books. That's how big his blueprint is. He's got you covered. His blueprint has you covered if you can follow his blueprint. It it is the love personified, the ultimate design. Jesus Christ is the ultimate architectural design of what God wants a human being to be. He wants you and me to be just like Jesus. The scripture says that he is the manna from heaven in John 6. Just like that manna and the pot of gold that rested in the ark, Jesus is the manna. Jeremiah 31 says that there come a time when the words will not be written. My words, God says, will not be written on tablets of stone, but they'll be written in your heart. You see, that's what Jesus says. Jesus is the word written in your heart. You know, when David said he had such a prophetic, prophetic announcement that a lot of people miss it. God, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Wow. You want to you repel sin in your life? Hide the word. Hide Jesus in your heart. Put him in a place that he covers your heart. That every room, every closet, every door, it's all open. And he's in your heart. He's the one that was dead and is risen. Aaron's rod. The thing is, he passed it on to you and he passed it on to me. Everything that possessed in Jesus can possess in us if we will just follow the blueprint. Previous arcs were temporary. Previous arcs were temporary. They could only suffice for a season at a time. But now Jesus Christ, our ark, our relationship. You see, that's what the ark was to Noah. It was the relationship with God on a daily basis. That's what the ark of the covenant was in the tabernacle. It was God's presence, God's relationship with the people of God. That's every ark was temporary, but Jesus Christ was permanent. He was the permanent solution to an eternal problem. You know, that's why Paul said it's unwise to compare ourselves among ourselves. You've you've heard that. To compare ourselves among ourselves. One of the biggest problems in the church world is we tend to compare ourselves among ourselves. Well, uh, he's not doing as good as I am. I don't know why she has that problem and it keeps going on. And, you know, I look, I'm, I'm really good at this, and I really give my all at this, but why doesn't he do his part? And that's very unwise. You know why? It's like taking a set of architectural blueprints, building a natural building, and saying, look, <clears throat> I'm really good at the plumbing part, but that's the only part that's good in this building. I don't know why the electricians can't do a better job. I don't know why the foundation's not laid correctly. First of all, if you're a plumber, you know very little about electricity or foundation. You know what it's for, but you know very little about it. What you've done is you've taken a portion of the blueprint and applied that portion of the blueprint to your life and to someone else's life because they're not like you're part of the blueprint. That's why we don't compare ourselves because Jesus is the blueprint that we compare ourselves to. If, if, if you're going to make comparisons, then I'm in a lot of trouble. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to come close to what you are in things. There are things that you're good at in the blueprint that I'm not, but that doesn't discount me from the blueprint. That doesn't mean, you know, <clears throat> I'll just say this is a story. It's a, it's a true story. There was a, a family that I knew that they had a, like the Bittocks, they had a problem child. <laughs> And so this family, their problem child wound up going to prison and having issues and problems. And so in, in, in that, the family became embarrassed. Would you be embarrassed? One of your family, if that happened to you, you don't, don't shake your head, yes or no. Just, just let that kind of get into your heart. Would you be embarrassed? Well, the family was embarrassed. You know what they did? They pretty much just disowned him. They did away with him. So when he got out of prison and came home, he wasn't welcome to any family things. He wasn't even welcome at his mom and dad's house. His brothers had nothing to do with him. His sisters had nothing to do with him. And that's a sad thing. Because whether you realize it or not, you are comparing yourself among yourselves. If you compared yourselves to the blueprint Jesus Christ, what would Jesus say? The disciples asked the question, "Listen, how many times do we forgive in a day?" And Jesus said, "Well, you talking about today?" "Yes, Jesus." "Well, 70 times 7. 490 times you're supposed to give somebody forgive somebody today." Do you know what that equivalent? Every 2 minutes. Calculate it out. Every 2 minutes you're supposed to be forgiving someone. But if you're comparing yourself among yourself, you lose the essence of what Jesus was saying because you've, you've supplanted his blueprint with your own. That doesn't mean that things in people's lives that you do not watchful for. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. If somebody went to prison for a reason, there's a reason they went. And there's nothing wrong with being watchful to make sure that that doesn't enter into your family situation. At the same time, if you can't forgive and you can't include and you can't let them be a part, because that's what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus would do. Why? Because he's the blueprint. Their only hope. This guy's only hope. Here's the funny thing it's not really funny. He became a preacher. I'm not talking about Pastor Don, just some of you are already looking at me. I'm not talking about Pastor Don. This guy became a preacher. And his family that was Christian left the church. That's sad. But that's what happens when you compare yourself among yourself. See, here's what happens when you compare yourself among yourself and not to the blueprint. First of all, embarrassment enters in. Then anger enters in. Then bitterness enters in. And the next thing you know, you're on the outside looking in. And until you come to the point, like the prodigal who came to himself and realized where he was at, you're going to be in that same position on the outside looking in, all the while thinking you're fine, all the while thinking it's okay, all the while you think yeah, I did the right thing. Listen, we've got to follow the blueprint. If you've done well in a particular portion of the blueprint, don't condemn others that they haven't done as well in your portion of the blueprint. Because you know what? You haven't completed the blueprint. If you're like Pastor Don, you got a long way to go to get this building built. There's a long way to go for me to get my building built in God, to follow the blueprints of God, to try to do the things that God wants me to. And if others fall short of the blueprint, don't think more highly of yourself than others. The Scripture tells us that. Don't think more highly. It's okay to think highly of yourself in Jesus Christ. It's not okay to think I'm better than them because they did or they didn't, and I'm better off in the blueprint. That, that's, they're still part of the blueprints that you and I haven't mastered. This building's not completed. i often see people and deal with people. It's amazing. I guess people are people. scenario that i told you about the the people the family were constantly wanting a repentant act from the person the son that went to prison they they wanted an apology they wanted their son to tell them i'm sorry you were right and i was wrong what i did was wrong that was constant on their hearts i understand this The only one you and I repent to is the architect. That's who we repent to, the architect. It's his blueprint. If I require, if someone's done me a wrong, and I require, if they want to come with a, I'm sorry, that's fantastic. If I require that they come, you know what, I've just walked off the blueprint and developed my own set of blueprints. Because the only requirement of repentance is to Him. I'm not God. If someone says I'm sorry, can I forgive? Absolutely. I can forgive actions. I cannot forgive sins. Let me say that again. In your life and mine, we can forgive actions by other people. But in no way can we forgive sins. That's the architect. That's the architect's design. That's his design. That's his blueprint. He does that part, and we do our part. You know, oftentimes you, you, you see in the scripture where uh, two brothers who had been at alt for years because one brother had deceived and taken away the other brother's glory, the other brother's promise, that when they finally came together after years, over 20 years, one brother was expecting a beatdown, but he got a hug. They fell on each other's neck and loved each other. You know why? Because they both had forgiveness from God and they both had sorrowfulness for one another. That's part of the blueprint. We have to make sure as Christians that our eyes are on the blueprint. When I take my eyes off the blueprint, that's when I get into trouble. When I make my situation and develop my own blueprints that becomes a problem. The thing about it is we often do that to, to get at someone else. Have you ever have you ever felt satisfaction because you got revenge? Pastor Don has. I felt satisfaction from getting revenge. It lasted about that long it lasted about that long. There's a reason God said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord's, saith the Lord. We're not intelligent, smart enough, we're not capable. We don't have the wisdom to enact revenge. We don't know the story, the end from the beginning, like God knows. We don't know the situation previous to the story like God knows. All of that. And so that's why vengeance, revenge. And so, revenge in a heart will do what? It'll get satisfaction, but deep within the heart, a root will begin to grow. The root becomes very bitter, very distasteful. Deep within the heart, when you have vengeance in your heart, it will eventually take over you and kill your heart. Here's the beautiful thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness in a heart also takes root. We often talk about the root of bitterness, but we don't talk about the root of forgiveness. But when forgiveness takes root, because forgiveness is part of the blueprint, when it takes root in a heart, it also begins to grow. And it begins to take over the heart. And it will literally cause the heart to be alive. Thank God that there was forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Thank God God wasn't bitter over mankind's sin because God could have spoken one word and destroyed the entire earth. There wasn't a bitterness in God. There was a forgiveness. It's in the blueprint. So I'm asking you today, How are you doing on the blueprint? First off, hope you've made God the architect of your life because he's the one that designed the blueprint. Hopefully God is the architect. What is an architect? He fits all the puzzle pieces together to make the building. An architect will give you all of the electrical, all the plumbing, all the foundational, all the groundwork, all the roof work, all the AC, HVAC, The architect will design everything. The fire system. The architect will design everything in that set of blueprints needed to get approval, to build that building, and to have it possessed, have it occupied. Because it was built per the blueprints. That's what God wants to do for you. That's what He wants to do for you today. He wants to be sure that in your life, He's the architect. Because once that happens... Once that happens, then the blueprint begins to unfold. And rather than bitterness and a root of destruction comes forgiveness and a root of love and strength. A design that gives you something that you've never thought you could uh, achieve. Have you ever forgiven somebody for something they did against you? Pastor Don has. I've told the story many times of a young of a guy that was a boss of mine, that bitterness rose up in because of the way I felt he was treating me, that it was wrong, and all those things. And after the guy was gone for years, Pastor Don had bitterness in his heart over this guy, and it literally was destroying his heart. Pastor Don's heart was eaten up with bitterness. But one day God spoke to me here in this church, in this altar, and said, Listen, why don't you just forgive? whether he's right or wrong, whether he did right or wrong, why don't you just forgive? And I forgave. And oh my goodness, as that root of bitterness dissolved and that, you know, one day I think God's going to let me see this guy again. He's living in another state. I know where he lives. I know who he works for because I want the opportunity to see him again because I'm going to give that guy a hug. I want to fall on his neck and hug him and love him like Jesus would that's what this is about i pray that you're looking at his blueprint today his blueprint and only his blueprint as a project manager on the jobs that i do i'm obligated to go through every single page of the blueprint to familiarize myself with it so that i know the people that we hire to build the building are doing the right thing that it's being constructed and built in the right manner and the right design. Failure for me to do that, as the project manager, as the project superintendent, failure for me to do that would be catastrophic to the building. God has given us a blueprint for our life. What are you doing? Are you looking at it page by page? Page by page, word by word, verse by verse. If not, it's gonna be catastrophic to your building to this house today can be this fresh start if you've not been following the blueprint and listen can, let's, can we be honest all of us are in that boat at one point or another where we're not exactly following the blueprint of Jesus Christ the beauty is He does not fire us He didn't get us off the job He didn't fire us and say goodbye, good riddance what does He do? He gives us another chance He gives us a chance to write the spot in the blueprint That we haven't done And bring it back into its So when the building's complete It can be occupied You understand Jesus wants to occupy this building Not this building We Our our temple, this building He wants to occupy it He does so when we follow the blueprint And when we make a mistake He doesn't walk out the door he gives me a chance and you a chance to correct it and to write it. He's the author and finisher of your faith. He's the author and finisher of my faith. He's given us the blueprint. I've said this a thousand times in this pulpit. <clears throat> if the people that pick the lottery numbers for this coming big lotto, would slip me the numbers before they pick it the right ones oh wouldn't I be forever grateful to them for that oh yes I would God has given us the blueprint God bless you today thank you for coming in and from your home I hope you had church in your home this morning I hope you had church in your home the church is not this building there's going to come a day when we'll rejoice and come back together and what a what a day that's going to be what what i'm looking that's going to be an exciting service going to be an exciting service but until then let's have church in our home let's have excitement in our home let's follow the blueprint god bless you today god bless your home god bless the church god bless the united states of america